doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. back to the show, my friends. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortablepodcast65. Most importantly, please share the show with others and make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. That is the main way that you can help in getting this show out in front of more people. The Uncomfortable Patreon is live. So if you've been interested in helping support the show and receive some extra content and perks in the process, Patreon may be right for you. It is the home to all Uncomfortable episodes ad-free at every membership level. And it's the only place you can find the video series A Little Uncomfortable and Uncomfortable Afterthoughts at the mid and top tier levels. Please go to patreon.com slash uncomfortable podcast 770 and see if any of the content levels interest you there. That being said, let's shout out to our newest Patreon members, Larissa Hatch, Vanessa Preble, Ashley, Bud Schuler, Rosemary Chives, and Alan Smith. Thank you so much for the support, guys. You have no idea how much it is appreciated and how valued you are in this community. My heartfelt thanks goes out to each and every one of you for supporting the show and what I am doing here. You can also support at redcircle.com slash uncomfortable slash donations, which I didn't even really know about until a couple of weeks ago when one of our Discord members uh, found it and, and took advantage of it that way as well. The links for the Patreon page, Red Circle, and Discord server will be in the show notes below. Tonight's guest comes to us practically from a world away. 
a land that has brought us Vegemite and koalas, kangaroos, and ACDC. Ladies and gentlemen, Creepy Australia is being represented here tonight for the first time. So, if you're ready for some down-under paranormal, let's get into it. So if you will, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Mr. Rob Wilcox. Rob, welcome to Uncomfortable. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us uh, from down under, uh, way, way away from all of us uh, down there in Australia. Hey, oh, we're, 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 the other side of the pond. Yeah, I, I would say a, a, a good uh, a good stone's throw on the other side of the pond. Um, first of all, I got to say that my my younger years uh, uh, during the the time that I well, I still listen to loud music, but uh, some Australian bands were in in rotation on a regular basis in my car, whether it be on uh, cassette tape or CD. Um, in excess, uh, midnight oil. Um, those were those were some uh, some heavily played bands back in the day for me. So, the classics, very much so. Yeah, what a what a tragedy about uh, Michael Hudgens. Um, that was a, that was a really that was a band that kind of snuck up on me. You know, at first I thought it was kind of a kind of a one night you know overnight sensation. Uh, pop band was going to burn out rather quickly and man they just continued to get better and better with each album that they came out with and they were they had a they had a great library of work that would have been in, it would have been incredible to see had he progressed where they would have went with that so most definitely yeah and then to, to end it like that that was unfortunate but yeah, very, once, very. once you learn the details of it, that was that was a pretty messed up uh, triangle he was in. So, but anyway, um, it's great to have you here. Uh, you surprised the hell out of me the other night. Uh, what about a week ago when you popped into my Discord? And uh, man, it, it's really, it's a really neat aspect to doing what I do is getting to talk to people from all the way around the world. You know, for um for over two years now when i check my analytics for the podcast as far as seeing the demographic of who's listening to it you know obviously the u.s is probably uh far and away the the largest demographic at about 80 percent but uh the uk australia um man they're right there in in two and three so it's it's really unique feeling to know that there's people on the other side of the world that are listening to what i do it's it's kind of a Kind of a tough one to wrap my head around, but it's uh, it's amazing. It really is. I just goes to show the credit you got, mate, and the reach that you you can get. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun getting to talk to. You. In fact, uh, last night's uh, last night's Discord, you were in there for a while as well. And I don't know if this was after you had left or not, but uh, a listener from Sweden came in. So <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Uh, Everybody got to uh, get a crash course in 
what it's like to live over there in Galaver, Sweden. So, my friend, Probably they got one of the best countries going. For I tell you what, you know, Texas and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tell you, there's a there's a lot less wrong over there than there seems to be uh, closer to home. Mm, you know, yes, and definitely. you know, we started talking about you know, I'm a firm believer in being able to own guns. I've grown up with guns. I have guns. Um, I'm a very normal person. I don't walk around waving it in the air and, you know, trying to scare people or shoot at people. Um, but over there, just to be able to hunt, just to be able to have a shotgun, you have to go through seven months of, uh, schooling. And then you have to be able to test into getting the license to have that weapon. And then every year you have to go back and you have to test again because they want to ensure that the people that have those licenses, that their eyesight and their, uh, their accuracy is still within a, in a measurable uh, unit of, of being agreeable. Um, those are very common sense things to me. It's like, I don't understand why, yeah. why we don't adopt that. You know, yeah, and then of course, I'd, I'd take that on for sure in Australia because it's yeah, tough here to get guns too. Yeah, and then he was saying his dad also hunts uh, elk and he uses a thirty out six. He has to go and do an additional class for that other weapon, and then he has to test each year for his accuracy with that before he's uh, given the license again. So you know, I mean, look, that's some pretty common sense stuff. Um, it, I think everybody ought to adopt that. And then, you know, the handgun thing, I would hate that anybody would take away my handgun. But if you could guarantee me that you could take everyone's handguns, if you could eliminate handguns and get them out of the hands of everyone, good and bad, I'd gladly give it up. Well, that's it. Uh, the gun laws only affect uh, the the law-abiding citizens. Indeed. Indeed. But that's not why we're here to talk, is it? We're here no. to talk about... Uh, some paranormal aspects to your to your life over there in in australia and i know that uh during our first conversation i asked about uh bigfoot or over there the yowie and you'd had not had any experiences about that um which was unfortunate because i'd, I'd love to hear what the take is on on that creature over there but uh you've had some other things that are are pretty pretty notable so if you will, why don't you, uh, why don't you start off at the beginning and tell us what's been going on there? No worries. So yeah, it started, um, well, I always used to say that, you know, it started around nine or 10 years old. Um, so what I can remember first off was, you know, I was up one night watching basketball with my brother and got to, you know, 11.30, 12 o'clock or something. And he's like, oh, you better go to bed just in case mum wakes up. So I run off to bed and lay in there. We had one of those old, like, angle iron beds with springs and, you know, the wire sort of mesh thing. And underneath me bed, because me mum was a bit of a hoarder, she, you know, there was boxes and suitcases from the daughter's stuff and, you know. So... Between the top of the mattress or the bottom of the mattress, sorry, and the top of the stuff under my bed, there was probably two or three inches. So nothing could get under there. So I've gone to bed laying there, and next minute, the middle of the bed rises up as high as the springs and all that would let it, and then just falls completely down and 
smacks onto the stuff underneath the bed. So I was laying there, eyes wide open, you know. So the bed, the bed lifted completely up. Yeah, not just just the, what I was laying on, up and then bang is like you know, and from where I was laying, I could see the hallway light from my bed. And probably not five minutes later, my brother's walked up and my eyes are apparently that wide open that he could see the reflection of the light off my eyeballs and come in and ask if I was all right. Told him what happened and he seemed a bit, you know, oh, yeah, right oh, but he had a look under the bed. Nothing there, nothing moved. And if anyone was going to lay under the bed, there would have been a whole heap of stuff out on the floor to get under there. So, yeah, that was the first one. So let me get let me get this straight. It was it was almost as if somebody was underneath the bed and just pushed up on the portion of the bed that you were laying on, like lifting yeah. your your weight, your body weight up, like, and then let it slam down. Yeah, little, little like pretty much straight underneath, like where my tailbone is. Just lifted that up and then let it drop. Wow. Yeah, that had Sorry. to be uh, that had to been a, a, a restless night of sleep for you. Yeah, I don't remember much after that. It's just that happened, and, yeah, this was, you know, a long time ago now. Um, the next one was far worse, though. So that was about 9 or 10. And then somewhere around 10 or 11, um, I started getting um, dreams of being chased by a faceless father. You know, never knew my dad, so was always faceless. And he'd always chase me around the house. Sometimes he'd, you know, have a weapon in his hand. Sometimes he wouldn't. And he was chasing me on this one vivid one that I remember, chasing me what seemed like, you know, for an hour. And as dreams go, you know, you end up in one spot to the next. Well, he was chasing me. I remember running out the front yard and jumped in my mum's car. And then he was at the back door grabbing on my ankles, trying to drag me away. I'm holding on to the door handle on the inside of the car, holding onto the door handle, like, you know, doors open. He's pulling and dragging. I'm screaming, you know, kicking and flailing. And next minute I'm dropped. Well, I woke up and... My, I, w- I was out of my bed and it turns out that what I was holding on to in real life where, you know, I'm in the dream, I'm holding on to the door. Mm-hmm. In real life, I was holding on to the edge of my bed and I was dropped and landed in the middle of the floor. I was screaming. My mum wakes up. She comes in. I'm in the middle of my bedroom floor in a blubbering mess, shaken, white as a ghost. No pun intended. Um, but yeah, so so something was know. something was actually physically pulling you out of your bed. I yes, yeah. That's the only thing I can put it to because yeah, the mum said she heard a bang, and then not you know fifteen seconds after the bang, I was screaming when I woke up. What can you give me a description of what the your faceless father looked like? I mean, was his was his clothing, were you able to tell, you know, were there colors to his clothes or, or was just, his, was he yeah, completely black? Shirt, you know, 
No, no, like he, I could see brown hair, um, you know, like skin features, like it, like he had a face, but there was just no features to it. It was just skin color. Oh, um, yeah, well, that's and even, just that's you know, even creepier. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're about ten years old. Yeah, yeah. Was did you have a conversation with your mom at all about this? Um, telling her, you know, letting her know that the figure that was in the dream that you felt was, was after you was, was what you thought was your father, even though you had not. Yeah. Known. yeah. Did, did, the, yeah, did she just did the, the, the mother thing, you know, Oh, it's just a dream. You'll be fine. Rah, rah. But couldn't explain why I woke up in the middle of my room. So when you described it, described him to her, um, you didn't recognize that it, it maybe gave her pause or anything like you had. Been oh, it, it, it had been an, um, so as soon as um, he found out that she was pregnant, he did the Harrod Holt and took the bolt. I've so it had been ten years. <laughs> it had been ten years since she had seen him. So wow. Well, I'm sorry that uh, I'm sorry that you went through that, uh, both you and your mom. But um, that is that's a that's a creepy thing to, you know, dreams are dreams. And a lot of things can be inferred from what somebody experiences in a dream. You know, that's why there's thousands of books out there of how to interpret uh, your dreams. And usually when you start delving into that and you see what the interpretation of something is, uh, it's, it's usually not, um, it's not, the face value of what you felt you saw. Um, but in your case, uh, actually having been pulled out of the bed and, and holding on to it, that, that to me is, uh, might indicate that there was something else going on there. Yeah. So I, you know, I, for the longest time I've said that, you know, it feels like there's something negative always, you know, 10 steps behind me. And I put that down to he's not happy. Um, you know, whether it's, yeah, I kind of just gave stuff away then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it'll it'll all come to play very soon. I've finally figured it all out. Have you? Yeah. So we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, there's a few more things to come. All right. Um, so at 11 or 12 is when I had my first pet that passed away, Girlie. She was the um, family lab, and she had to be put down due to old age. And, you know, she come in, she was big black lab, um, long haired. And not long after she passed away, I heard a noise in my room and I, you know, look up and there was, I didn't feel it jump on the bed, but I seen this black shadow, you know, hop off the bed and walk out the door. And my first instinct was that that was girly. A lot of people would have been like, oh, my God, Black Shadow, that's demons, but, you know, no. Yeah, I, I don't think um, so. I don't think it is. I think, you know, and I think the natural jump is for people 
because when we associate something black, we associate it with being something bad. Um, exactly. And I don't think that's necessarily true in all cases. Um, you know, it, it's funny how many times I've heard of, of people being visited by former pets, you know, uh, and it, it, it's all very, very similar to what you're saying, you know, pretty unobtrusive. They just kind of either jump up onto a pillow or jump up onto the bed. Uh, I was telling you before we started recording, um, walking into the, the one bedroom that my mom had uh, kept all of her supplies and stuff in. I had just pretty much closed the door because I didn't want to look at it and have to deal with trying to figure out how I was going to get all that stuff out of here. And uh, one day I had to go in there and look for something and I walked in maybe two steps and uh, a cat meowed at me. And it literally took me off guard so quickly that I looked down to the, uh, to the floor at the, at the right of my, my right foot because I fully expected to see a cat sitting there. And my mom had cats. Um, they had all passed by this time, and uh, my mom had passed as well. And uh, that, that was a very strange thing, you know? I mean, I've had a lot of experiences in my life, um, but that was, that was strange. Um, another, another gentleman I talked to, uh, I believe he went by the name Joey. He had had uh, some military experience and stuff, and... Uh, he, he felt his dog walk up to sit down right beside where he was sitting and the big sigh when he hit the ground. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's a strange, strange yeah. thing. I even talked to a woman yeah. who um, had, a, had a pet that uh, died in a really not a very nice way. Um, but she used to, as a child, do this weird little she didn't realize it but what is i guess we would consider it to be some kind of little ritual and uh and the dog would come visit her um in its in its afterlife form <laughs> so um it's very it's a very common thing you would you would not think i think it's because we're so predisposed to thinking that anything that comes back to uh engage with us from from beyond death is usually something that we consider to have a soul and i don't think a lot of people entertain the idea that our dogs or our cats have souls and i think i think that's i don't think that's true i think that yeah no, i think you, they uh, i think they do well you can definitely tell just sitting there looking into their eyes you know there's absolutely there's a lot more going on than what we think yeah absolutely so yeah, that was, that was a quick one. She was, you know, just checking up, telling me that she was all right, pretty much. Um, yeah, that was that one wasn't scary at all. That was in and out, and is I this told all, me mum the next day. Is this all in the same house? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. So my mum was in the same house for about forty years. Okay. So I, I, you know, I was born and raised there. I moved away. I come back. I moved away. I come back. It's um, yeah. Yeah, this house is. You're you know, in it now. It, it, no, no, no. Oh. I'm, I'm five minutes away from it now. So, yeah. So that was yeah. That was that one. Um, so at twelve ish, I had um, friends down the road. Um, you know, I'd known them. One of the boys I'd known since I was three years old. 
we were about 12, 11 or 12 maybe, um, and he had an older brother, um, and they wanted to do a seance. And I'm uh, a big no-no on seances, um, just with the, the feeling that I feel if I, you know, if I was ever to touch a, a seance board or a Ouija board to a seance, that, um, yeah, some not very nice things uh, knocking at the door waiting to get through. So I do not like them. So I sat in the room while they were doing it and um, there was four five maybe that would you know all sitting around on a homemade bloody you know Ouija board mm-hmm. with a shot glass as a planchet and um, you know they're all joking laughing and next minute the entire lounge room we're in the lounge room I could see the hallway behind some of them um, the entire lounge room the hallway and the kitchen lights up red, big flash of red. And down the hallway, I'm getting goosebumps now, just reliving it. Um, down the hallway, I see the biggest figure that I've ever seen. Um, when I mean big, like, you know, if you imagine a, a hallway, I think they're what, five feet wide. Well, this thing was all of everything of, you know, 4.8 feet wide by, you know, a good six and a half foot tall. Okay. Like it just indoor, like it swallowed the whole, and it walked down the hallway. Nothing too bad, like you know, it was just that flash of red, big thing walking down the hallway. And I'm pretty sure I got scared and ran home because I was about three houses away from home. So, what can you describe this thing? I mean, obviously uh, immense in size, um, but it did it look. Did it look human? Was it yeah. was it just a blocked out? Just a very, very large human shape. Like there was no horns or no yeah. nothing. Um, like just tattered clothes. Like, you know, sort of you think to um like, you know, Hulk esque where it's ripped off of him. Mm-hmm. Just tattered, torn. Yeah, and just a very slow, like, you know menacing walk down the hallway but there was no noise to it there was no you know footsteps there was yeah so, so I... you said something that that interested me um in it even at what you said 12 years old at this point 12 or 13 that you're doing the yeah. seance were you, what you said unless i misinterpreted it wrong um were you kind of aware that that there was something maybe on the darker side of things that that kind of followed you or was was around yes. you yes even at yes. that early I, of I an age you were, yeah, you were i didn't touch of. that board you like to get me to touch that board you probably would have had to have knocked me out and you know physically done it like there was no way i was ever and still now i never will I, I won't do I won't do anything with a Ouija board. I've I've talked to a number of people that say they're perfectly safe. I've talked to a number of people that said as long as you, you know, you open it correctly and you close it correctly, there's nothing that can go wrong. Um, there is something inherently um, keeping me from from participating in that. I just I won't do it. Yeah, I'm the same. It, 
for me, like even now, you know, it just seems like there is a doorway there and I don't know whether it's one or if it's a hundred, but there is, you know, something not nice that is, you know, just waiting and hoping that I go and touch one and give it that access. Is this something, the reasoning behind that, is that something you're going to get into later or... That that's that's just it. Oh, that's just a feeling I have for that specific thing. It you know could come to play with something later. Um, I'm not too sure. So we'll we'll continue and then we'll get to that and we can discuss. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was the that was the seance. Um, and then thirteen, I you know over here we start high school at thirteen. Well, we used to. Sorry, uh, grade eight was high school. Um, and along come with high school was the great old depression. Um, so I, you know, I got depression and it hit me hard. Um, you know, started, you know, hard time sleeping. Like I'd go to sleep at 3am or, you know, mum would try and wake me up for school at, you know, 7.30. Didn't want to do it. Um, and while laying there, you know, it, everything was against me, hated everything, you know, rah, rah, the, the typical. Um, so I'm laying in bed in the same bedroom as where I was, you know, dragged from. Um, but my bed was on the other side of the wall at this stage. Um, laying there and it felt like there was, you know, bug or, you know, something in my hair. And at 13, my nana had died too. Um I wasn't overly close with Nana. She suffered from dementia as well. Um, But, yeah. So I thought it was a bug, you know, and I did as everyone do, you know, swipe, whether it was like we've got, you know, huntsmen's here, which are very friendly little critters who will crawl everywhere they can. Um, So I thought, you know, could have been a huntsman or something in my hair, kept swapping at it. About 10, 15 seconds, it'd be back. Just swiping it again. I got up and I turned my light on, looking around. Nothing there. Turn the light off, jump back in bed. About 15 seconds later, the same thing. So I've laid there and I'm like, wait, that's not, you know, it's the same direction. It's the same pattern. And I put it down to, that was my nana stroking my hair trying to calm me down, as you do with kids, you know, you stroke yeah. their hair, they fall asleep. Try to give you comfort. And once, yeah, and once I'd realised that it wasn't, you know, something in my hair or, and I got that comfort, within about a minute I was asleep. Really? Which was very uncanny. And that happened for, you know, wasn't every night, but on the nights where it was, you know, the depression was the worst and I, you know, yeah, I'd get that. So whether it was Nan or Pop, because, you know, I never got to meet my Pop. He um, he died seven years before I was born due to stomach cancer. So, but I always, you know, I've always had the feeling like they're, they're both, they're behind me. They're like yeah. sort of watching over me. Um, so, yeah, was either one of them, but they were there comforting me and it helped. Well, that's a, that's a nice takeaway from that, you know, um, you know, I've talked about this in other shows. Not, not everything is is dark and bad. 
not not everything that uh, that reaches out from beyond uh, the veil is is something that we need to um, be terrified of and, and fear. Um, you know that that comfort. I mean, that was a that was a timely gift for you uh, to help you get through that that part of your part of your life. And that was 25 years ago, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. You know, that's yeah. yeah. That's the other striking thing about it is when you have an experience like that, that stays with you. Um, that that to me creates uh, some legitimacy in in that it actually happened. Um, you know, we experience things every day, every day of our life, and they don't always stay with us. But when you have an experience like that and it sticks with you. I, th I think that's a pretty good indicator that, uh, that you were on the right track. Yeah. I like to believe so. So yeah, the same, um, same bedroom, um, you know, probably around the same year. Um, my brother's dog who he had gotten. So my brother got this, um, Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Um, and he was a, a monster of a thing. He was a rude dog. So an old farmer, you know, out west used to sit on his veranda and he'd pluck off a kangaroo and Turk would be sitting beside him and he'd tell Turk, go get it. Turk would run out and grab the, the roo that he had just shot by the tail and drag it back up to the stairs. Old farmer would chop the tail in half, give him half a raw roo tail and then cook the other half. One day he's told Turk to go get it, and Turk didn't move. I told him again, nothing happened. Told him three times. After the third time of Turk not moving, didn't go and get the room. He's put him in a cage, and he just so happened to ring the next door neighbour to us and said, you know, in farm life though, you know, he said, um, if you know anyone that wants a dog, come and get it. If not, I'm going to shoot it because it's not doing its job. Oh shit! So, yeah, that's farm. If you're not working, you. You're taking up a space that some other working dog can. Yeah. I, I I would have a hard time shooting something that you know sure. you put all that time and effort into, but that's that's the way it is. So the neighbours come over and ask me, brother, you you want a dog? And he's like, yeah, 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 sweet, sweet, sweet. Um. So yeah, they go out and pick it up, and you know, dragon kangaroos who are dense, solid masses. It, this thing was a monster, like, you know, huge, big jaw muscles, big shoulders. And when he come back, he stuck his head out the out the car window and, you know, my mum shit herself. She's like, no way, we had two hours. And, you know, he was a rude dog. We had two hours. She's thinking, oh, he's just going to eat these two hours. But no, not the case. Um, and he was with us for a short time. Turns out the reason he didn't move was because he had bowel cancer. Uh -huh. um, so my brother got him, you know, great dog. I think we had him for, you know, a couple of years. Um, yeah, about 13, 14 when he passed away, had to get him put down because it just got too bad. Yeah, um, yeah so every so often when he was alive, Turk used to come and jump up on my bed. And, you know, he'd curl up in the lap part as I was laying on my side. And about 14 years old, I'd say I was, 13 maybe, um, he'd passed. 
and I literally felt the bed sag and the springs made all the noises and then I felt him curl up and he wasn't a small dog so you know he always used to sort of push and just shove his way into where he was going yeah and in the afterlife he did the same thing like I felt him curl up and lay down and I've like opened my eyes seen like you know sort of a black mist because again he was a black dog um yeah curl up lay there didn't move and I fell asleep like that and everything was so similar like you know the weight the the, the amount the bed sagged you know the weight and the feel it was the only thing that could have been was Turk hey there's there's something about this house that you were living in at the time that I hope you I hope you address here at some point after you get through these things because it certainly seems that there's uh, that that's got to be a key to some of this. I don't know. Like this is just a house I grew up in. That's yeah. I don't know if it's the house or if it's me because um, I got a few more experiences in this house. Um, and then we go to other houses when I sort of grow up and move away. Okay. So, yeah, that was that one. Um, so, as I said, we had two hours. Now, me and the next-door neighbour, like, I, I, I was lucky. Me mum and the next-door neighbour lived beside each other for 30 years. Um, so it was like a second family next door. Um, so we had a, we had a two hour called Lexi and they had a two hour called Taffy, but Taffy wanted to be at our house and Lexi wanted to be over there. So pretty much nightly we would be, you know, at the fence line swapping dogs back. Like, yep, here's your dog. We'll take our dog. Thank you. And then pretty much first thing in the morning, as soon as the doors were open, the dogs would be, Lexi would be running next door and Taffy would be on our doorstep waiting. So Taffy pretty much turned out to be my dog. She, um, you know, she chose me, follow me around, and um, she had a tongue like a sniper, as a lot of chihuahuas do. Um, yeah, so her little, I think it was a brother, um, Sonny. I went over to next door to go and grab Sonny because he'd just go over for a visit, see all the other dogs and that. And I run them back, and it was probably, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. It was dark here. And I was running back, and from the corner of next door's house to the, you know, driveway on my side was probably 20 feet. And we had a chain link fence, you know, separating the two properties. But all the gates were always open for everyone's. Um, and running past, their yard coming into mine, I had Sonny behind me running with me. A frisbee smacks the dog out of nowhere. And I've stopped, you know, we're in a um, a cul-de-sac too, you know. Everyone everyone knew everyone pretty much in in the end of the street there. So Sonny's yelped and, you know, taken off upstairs and I've gone running, you know, I was someone playing a trick, you know, nothing. 
no one there. Turns out it wasn't even my Frisbee. I was one of the youngest kids around. But the Frisbee wasn't mine. Don't know where the Frisbee come from. And there was no one. I went and asked everyone, you know, because the next-door neighbours, they had kids, but they were, I was, what, 14. They would have been late teens, early 20s. But, yeah, so. So the Frisbee, just no explanation for where that came from. I don't know where it came from. I don't. I don't know what threw it, or you know, but it hit me, dog. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that was a, that. That's a different one. Yeah, yeah. That was, and and I can remember, like you know, walking up the like because it was a driveway. I walking up my driveway. And although it was dark, you know, we had the lights on from the toilet and bedrooms and that, so you could sort of see. But, yeah, there was no one there, but, you know, I can remember the hairs standing up as I was walking up. So I don't know what it was, but, yeah, I scored a free frisbee out of it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, at 15, back inside at Mum's house, I... um. You know, living in the house my whole life, I, I could, you know, I could walk that house in the dark or blindfolded. And um, so I'd wake up to go to the toilet early hours of the morning. And as you'd walk up the hallway, I, I used to be able to just use the, the moonlight, if there was moonlight, coming through the, the, the toilet door, uh, toilet window, sorry, and it'd shine through the toilet door. So I'd walk up and, you know, get the, get the moonlight shining through the window, walk up and go to the toilet oh one night you know walk up the hallway turn around see the moonlight and just as i get to the the threshold of the bar the toilet door toilet bathroom separate just as i get to the threshold i see the moonlight and next minute the door just gets absolutely slammed into my face i lose the moonlight and there's just bang like it hits me square in the face like i was mid-step so it was face first and yeah i you know sort of shit myself turn the light on like you know <laughs> what's going on but yeah was the, window, was the window open could it have been a, a draft from a a breeze that closed the the door or so the it was one of those like fixed windows it had the smoked pane glass mm. and it had like a, a gap of about yay far. So you had one one window pane and then the other one sat off skew to it. Yeah. So to get the um to get a, a draft, like it'd have to come up and over and back in. Like it wasn't a window that you could open or close. So yeah. Yeah. And you're uh, I'm not too... you're 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 putting together quite the uh, quite the list of things happening in this house. <laughs> yeah yeah it was pretty eventful what okay so you're you're what probably 14 or 15 at this time um yeah I was, yeah about 15 what what is your psyche uh at this point what is what is what's rob's brain thinking when these things are happening are you are you kind of aloof to them, or are you paying attention and and thinking, okay, what what's going on? Why am I having these these strange things? Oh, happen? you know, I, I I I was paying attention to them. It was, um, I, I guess you could say I'm just one of those, you know, 
it is what it is sort of people you know it yeah. um things happen i i take notice but you know it's nothing trying to hurt me so you know what was it you know have a look around but yeah i'll definitely i was definitely taking notice of it and you know i'd talk to mum about it and yeah she was um couldn't really give much insight but she just she she knew like we we, we both knew that there was something else going on in the house she she was uh, she was aware of it she had um was was supportive of i mean she wasn't dismissive of, of yeah, the things that yeah, you no, yeah. yeah she was supportive she and it was it was always you know directed towards me so not much happened to her i don't think yeah. if anything happened to her um so yeah so around the same age around 15 there was um taffy the chihuahua that i was just speaking about with the mm -hmm. sniper tongue she um she passed away and um for a, a good few months you know i'd walk up the hallway of that house and she'd be right there in the peripheral following sometimes you could hear her footsteps um because she had a she had a unique walk too so on her front left paw it was deformed and it had like you know sort of club foot so she had a, a a unique pattern to her walk yeah and yeah that, did you actually she, see her in the peripheral yeah 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 i'd uh, always look down like you know like well uh but as soon as you look you know you turn your head it's gone yeah yeah wow so yeah that now this one i was um i was about 16. um so as i said you know mum's lived in this house for well what was i 16. she was probably there mum was probably in this house for about 20 years at this stage um so i was doing the dishes and at the house like you know i'm looking out the window of the kitchen I could see the next door neighbor's house and I think it was vacant at the time, but I'm doing the dishes and out of nowhere, I can hear an infant, like a baby crying inside my head. Like, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, like, I've got kids, you've got kids. It wasn't one of those little cries of whether hungry or like, you know, it was one of those wailing attention. Yeah. Something's wrong yeah and i you know i'm doing the dishes and i'm hearing it and keep going i'm like you know what the hell why why and then i figured it out that every time i looked at the house next door the cries got louder so i'm like okay there's something from that house with the baby so that night me and mum sitting down to eat dinner i'm like mum was there ever a baby that passed away in the house next door or like you know and mum looked at me wide-eyed and she's like what i'm like next door was there a baby that passed away she's like no i heard you she's like but how do you know that and I'm like, i hear a baby crying in my head like and it turns out that years before i was born there was a lady who lived in the house she had a, a pretty um you know 
bad pregnancy um, and the child died not long after being born, but it never actually made it back to that house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, so, you know, I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, you know, said the mum, what do I do? Like, I can hear this baby screaming. Um, it's not happy, you know. It, and mum's just like, oh, you know, I don't know, tell it to go towards the light. Like, you know, everything will be all right. Like, you know, tell it it can pass over and... I'm like, okay, yeah, radio. So I sat down, you know, and I had the crying in my head going, you know, and I'm like, everything will be okay, you know, you can move over. Um, yeah. And it took about 20 seconds or so. And then it was like the cry sort of like, you know, it went from a wail and then like just drawed out like a big whoa to nothing and i never heard the cry again okay so now i'm starting to change my starting to change my opinion that i don't think it's the house and i I tend to agree that uh you you obviously have some uh some sight or some some gift something but it hasn't really grown anything you know it's it's always been around the same like it, it's there but it's not mm. it's have you ever done yeah. anything to try to cultivate that no i'm scared okay and that may be why so, it's that may be why yeah, it's staying yeah. the same yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll yeah i'll explain um so we're getting older now um So another two hour, my mum's the one that had the frisbee thrown at it. Yeah. Um, he follows me up the up the hallway as well. Now this one though, he um he was a little soldier. He he had epilepsy. Um, so we had to give him glucose every time he had a, a little epileptic fit. Um, and as he got older in life, he started having more fits, and you know each one would just absolutely ruin him for a week. Yeah. And they kept getting closer and closer. And um, my mate's mum owned a video shop just up the road at this time. And we'd go, you know, used to go and work for her for 20 bucks cash so we could go and get a drink or whatever. And um, we go up and we go to work. We we're there for a few hours, come back. And Sonny was on me bed and... He was literally waiting like he took his last breath when I walked in that bedroom. He knew he was going and he was, he waited and I went up there and I'm like, you know, oh, Sonny, you know, went over and patted him and sat down beside him and I felt his last breath and mum wasn't at home at this time and, you know, that was her little baby Um, and it was about 11.30 at night when he passed. Um, So... Yeah, I, you know, wrapped him up in a blanket um, and put him on mum's bed, rang mum. She's like, oh, shit, you know, started crying. So she came home first thing in the morning and we buried him in the backyard. And probably about a week later, he started following me up the hallway. 
much the same as Taffy. You know, did you ever have them, look down. Did you ever have them both at the same time? No, no, no. it's sort of like um, there was a little bit of time in between, but they, they only ever stuck around for, you know, probably about a month, each of them. Um, sort of uh, like the way I take it was just, you know, letting me know that they're all right. Yeah. They're, you know, they're happy. They're, they're, they're all good now. Because they, they both, you know, they were they were old when they both died. So, yeah, they were sort of running up the hallway after me, which they hadn't done for quite a while. So, so they, 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 went, that they went back to a time where they were healthier. Yeah. <clears throat> which yeah. seems to oh, be yeah. a... Which seems to be a pretty common, um, a common report, even not just with pets, but with people as well. That uh, when people see uh, loved ones that have passed, many times they'll see them and not really recognize because they're in a um, they're a vision of what they were more like in their prime. They're reverting back to a better time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, the next one here is um, I, I've seen, you know, I've heard a lot of people on your podcast and others uh, about shadow people and how they, um, you know, all doom and gloom. Yeah. Well, I like to believe I had a shadow person friend. Um, so, you know, as a lot of teenagers do, we... Started smoking marijuana, thinking we were cool or stupid, I don't know. Turns out to be stupid now, I reckon. But, um, yeah, so me and my mate used to sit. So I had, you know, this was in the same room of when I was a kid and where I'd been dragged. I'd turn that into, you know, the games room. Had a couch in there and, a, you know, Xbox and that. And me and my mate were sitting there one day and we're playing Xbox. And... We both sort of look up at the doorway and, you know, look at the doorway. It's probably, I'm six foot, so, you know, it was probably about six and a half feet, roughly, in height. See the head poke around the doorway, you know, and there was two. Now, I know a lot of people say that, um, like, you know, the hat man, yeah. how he has the, the fedora-style hat. Well, I was seeing one with, like, a top hat style, but there was two. There was there was the top hat style, and then there was just a normal head, but it was just all black. So me and my mate were sitting there, and head pops around, and we both look up, and my mate Chris is like, "Did you see that too? Did you?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm like, "Yeah, pretty common." And he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "That's Steve." I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. All right. Well, well, yeah, Steve. So every time, like, we'd be sitting there playing Xbox, and every time we'd see the head pop around, we'd be like, hey, Steve, like, we wouldn't move our heads, we wouldn't look. We'd notice it in the peripheral, and every time we seen that head pop around, we'd be like, hey, Steve, hey, Steve. And because we were interacting with it, it seemed to happen more and more. And there was never, ever, like, we never got any bad feelings, like, you know, Obviously, this was at my house, so I'd be sitting there by myself, and it it, it almost seemed like it was a game, like yeah. because at the start he would pop up at the same height, you know, on the same side of the doorway, and I'd be like, you know, sitting there playing Xbox. Hey, Steve, 
hey Steve. And so then he started changing heights and changing which side of the door he was popping up on. And the freakiest one though was when he come from the top down under. Oh. I'm like, hey Steve. Like, like from the ceiling. Know, that, yeah, from the ceiling down. And you know, that was but I you know, that that just seemed to be the game. That was Never, never anything bad. Never any, you know. Um, and would that only happen when you were with that mate of yours that uh, you would? No, 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 no. That was like me and him sort of, you know, gave him the name of Steve. Um, but yeah, no, it was by myself. It was with him. It was with other people. So other people, a lot of people don't see it though, because I'd be sitting there, you know, two or three other people on the same chair. And I'd see it, and I'd be like, oh, hey, Steve. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, because we had a mate named Steve. My, my brother's name's Steve. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Steve's not here. But, oh, yeah, no, no, no. That's another Steve. But, that, yeah, not many, like, I don't think it was me and Chris, really, the only ones who've seen it. So, but. And, again, same house, right? Same house, yeah. Same house. Yeah. Interesting. Um, my only my only shadow person experience was uh, at about ten, and it was outside my um, the threshold to my doorway to my bedroom, and it was it scared the hell out of me. Um, it was you know there was only myself, my mom, and my dad living in the house, and that silhouette that was standing at the door was neither my mom or my dad. Um, <laughs> that was that was uh that was scary and i didn't find out i never told anybody about it and i found out years later once i started doing this show um karen tatro who i had done a two-part uh interview with she investigated the uh, conjuring house she as a thank you for having her on the show she did a reading for me and she brought up me having a shadow man experience and there was never any i'd never talked about it on the show prior to that uh there was never anything posted about it um she pulled it right up and the the really interesting thing was she was kind of flabbergasted as to not knowing what it was she she couldn't she couldn't get a read on whether it was a a human spirit or a elemental or something else she just knew that it really wasn't there to cause any harm and it usually only showed up when i was um in a situation where i had uh like a lot of questions a lot of uh there was a lot of um things that were like unresolved which i can't really imagine at the age that i saw it what i would have been dealing with to to have unresolved questions um but that was her that was her take on it and i thought it was I thought it was really strange that she was able to pinpoint um, that, having never having never discussed it prior to that. Yeah, odd. I'd like to I'd like to meet someone who can you know see what I've seen and maybe give us some give me some more answers or some you know clarifications, but yeah. hasn't been yet. Well, I, um, I might be able to help point you in the direction of somebody that can help you with that. 
the uh, the mystical JJ. <laughs> See, you are uh, you are uh, gifted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember your, your podcast about her, and I'm like, mm, maybe that was my first thought too. Is it um, you know, I've always I've thought about like you know going to do Reiki or something, or uh, you know, go on to speak to someone, but uh, I I can't do it because whoever it is has to be tough. Like it's not um, yeah, it, they've got to be tough. There's 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 some shit in the background. I'll tell you, I'll say that. Well, I I can. I can assure you, um, I don't think you'd be disappointed. You, uh, no, nah, that's, that's, she's, she's, uh, that was my first thought too. Like maybe she's the one, maybe, you know, um, with her telling you about like, you know, where she did the, um, the, the remote viewing for you and told you about that portal. Yeah. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's gifted. That's, yeah, and I'll you know I'll be the first to admit that um, you know my my thoughts on people who claim these uh, these abilities, um, you you pretty much gotta you gotta you gotta prove yourself to me because uh, you know there's a there's a number of them out there that are just looking to make a buck and they use some different. Uh, different techniques to fish for uh, to fish for information or find things out about you online and stuff like that um she's not on my payroll i know that uh i know that she she gets a lot of uh a lot of commentary throughout my shows um but that's simply a testament to just how um how much faith i have in in what her abilities are um, she's she's proved it time and time again to me. So I don't think you'd be wasting your time if you reached out to her. Well, I've thought about it, but you know, as I'm sure there's many many other people have reached out to. So they have, and I can tell you this: um, she enjoys the hell out of it. She, it is it's something she feels that she is doing. She's doing. Um, she's doing what she was put here to do. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. that's, that's the, the contract she signed when she decided to, uh, come here and, uh, yeah. So she's, she's, she's happy to do it. Oh, I'll have to reach out eventually. And, um, okay. So we've got the first experience outside of mom's house. Um, so I think I was like 19, 20-ish. I um, moved out with uh, um, a couple of mates, a mate and his girlfriend. Um, and this was probably by far the most mind-boggling. Um, every night when I'd go to sleep, I would hear children in the back. Of the wheel. So we were in a, in a block of units. So there was like four unit blocks side by side, single-story house. They were two-bedroom units. Um, so up the back of them, there was like, you know, a huge backyard that spanned the entire length, like no fences in the back. But, yeah, every night I'd hear kids singing Ring Around the Rosie. And that was terrifying. <laughs> like, you know, 
And give me bangs and growls any day. Yeah. And I mean, I don't. <laughs> excuse me. I don't know about over there, but Ring Around the Rosie is a very dated, um, a very dated game. That's not something that, um, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 58 here this month. Um, even as a child, I don't remember playing Ring Around the Rosie. I think that was something that was uh, from from a time um, even before that. So. I can remember singing it when I was a kid, but I don't remember the game. Like, yeah, but that was that was almost a nightly experience, and I don't know why. But when it comes to you know kids and spirits, it's just that's worse than anything else. Yeah, <laughs> terrifyingly worse. Um, so same unit. I would also hear. Um, talking coming from my mate and his girlfriend's bedroom um, and bangs not on the wall but in the wall like so where our bedrooms met there was you know I had a a, um, a wardrobe sliding doors on it and then there was the wall and then there were, on the other side of in his wall there was another wardrobe so it was coming from inside the wall, inside the two wardrobes. But it was like, there was only a few bangs. It was only, you know, it's more voices, like, but not that you could make out what it was. It was just muffled. Like, you know, you could just hear something. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd ask him, you know, oh, you know, what was going on last night? No, 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 that wasn't us. We, what are you on about? We were asleep. Well, there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so now that yeah, that was that. I was there for you know a few months in that unit, and um, yeah, the ring around the rosy was almost nightly. It was. Well, I, I would dread. I'd go stay at other people's houses. Were you questioning your mental health at all during this time? I mean. You know, I mean, I, I understand that you recognized that you were experiencing things that were were happening um, oddly, you know, it, that weren't natural. But at some at any point, were did it give you pause and make you think, man, am I kind of am I kind of cracking up here a little bit? You know, because I'm I'm having no. a number of experiences, or were you always pretty resolute in? You were experiencing well, something, experiencing something, and your and your head was right. Well, due due to like I had depression, as I said, you know, at thirteen. Um, so mum put me in, like you know, I went and spoke to um, what are they called? Therapists. Um, yeah, therapy. Like I went to therapy. You know, um, I had a couple of different. But it was like they 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 ended up putting me on, you know, like. Because I, I thought maybe I was, you know, schizophrenic or something as well. Um, but turns out, you know, just depression and I, um, you know, I had suicidal tendencies and all that <clears throat> good stuff to follow along with it. Um, but no, they, they, you know, they told me that I didn't have um, schizophrenia or, you know, anything too major. It was just depression and ADHD too. I was diagnosed with ADHD. 
So it was mainly just like, you know, my inner dialogue running at a million miles an hour. Yeah. Um, but no, when it was, when it was an external source, you know, like if it was something I was hearing or yeah, I, I never thought that maybe I was finally losing the absolute plot. Because it, you know, the reason I ask is, you know, in, I've talked to some people that have been like, you know, I questioned my sanity. I thought, you know, am I losing it? Um, but then when I kind of compare that to the experiences I've, I've had throughout my life, um, it, it's always been, it's always been kind of matter of fact. I've, I've never questioned that I was, um, seeing things or experiencing hallucinations or, you know, my mind was playing tricks. I mean, I always felt, you know, completely completely confident in what i was experiencing was was actually happening and i never really questioned myself yeah no same it's yeah um so yeah that was about 20 um oh yeah that would have been about 19 actually because from about 20 to 24 i kind of fell off the deep end and um went and abused drugs and alcohol and I don't really remember too much happening during that time. It sort of, you know, put a, a, a veil over it all, I suppose you could say. Um, but and at 24, no, 23, 24, I, um, I met my partner um, and... <sighs> This is the this is where it starts to get weird. So I met my partner, and it turns out she has she's got the same birth date as my nana. Um, so you know, I think that was another thing of nana there finding someone to help me out. Um, and we were together for only three months before she was pregnant. Um, which is you know. A lot of people would probably turn around and say, you're stupid, dickhead. Well, actually, I had a lot of people tell me that, but, um, you know, we're here 14 years later, so bite me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So things were very different with this girl. Um, You know, we got together and I just, you know, the way she was, you know, accepting me for me because at that stage I was still partially an alcoholic at the start, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see myself having kids to you, you know, like pretty cool chick, rah, rah. Wasn't aiming, you know, okay, let's have a baby. Like I didn't even have my own life under control. Um, but then she's turned around and she's like, yeah, I, I want a kid. Yeah, okay. Um Rightio, let's, you know, let's talk about it and let's sit on it. And so I was driving along and I said, you know, in my head, I'm like, Nana, is having a kid the right thing to do? And I'm like, give me a sign. And I look up at the clouds and I see a cloud in the shape of a Winnie the Pooh head. And I'm like, righto, okay, that, that could be a yes, that could, you know, but... I need a clearer sign than I like show me a clearer sign and not bloody, you know, 30 feet away from the size of the Winnie the Pooh head was a cloud in the perfect shape of Y. So I'm like, okay, all right. It's 
I have kids for this woman then. But thanks, Nana. Um, yeah, so there we are. We're, you know, we're now 14 years later. We've got two kids. Good for you. Um, so, but once you got pregnant, we moved, we moved out to a place called Fernvale and it was a brand new house. It was, um, yeah, not right from the very get go, I'd say, um, was, um, got to, got to a point where the partner, she couldn't sleep without the ensuite light on, um, it was just constant, like something was following you, something was behind you, just bad juju, like it was just yuck. You almost cut the tension with a knife. Um, and, you know, me being me, I've had experiences for a long time. It got to the point where I was running from the kitchen, like I'd turn the light off, I'd try and, you know, systematically turn lights on so I could turn the lights off and still have a light on. Otherwise, I'd be running through the kitchen into the bedroom, like through the dining room area, which backed onto the thing. It was just, yeah. Um, in that house, we had um, knives out of the knife block go missing. Um, I had shirts disappear. Um, you know, I'd be in the in the garage, you know, building a subwoofer box or something. And I'd put a tool down, I'd go inside, grab a drink, come back, that tool was gone. And I'd go, you know, on a frantic, oh, where's this? Go looking for it, come back, and it's exactly where I left it. So, um, but yeah, then we had um, we had the in-laws come and stay. And, you know, I'm talking, like, I, I've been one to always be open, um, you know, my experiences and my experiences. If you don't believe them, that's it. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't bother me. I will tell you what I've experienced, and you can make up your mind whether to believe it or not. Um, so I was talking to the mother-in-law, and she's sitting there, and you know, she's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, you know." She she said she envisioned a man at the front stair at the front door, just waiting for something. She's like, you know, he was an older man. He was, you know dressed nicely but he's just waiting he's standing by the front door and he's waiting and i never got nothing like that but as we were talking about it there was um so you walk in the front door and directly to your left was you know a second lounge room sort of thing i just had the computer in there then you walk up there was a, you know the wall for that room kitchen now uh, dining room there, then the kitchen behind it, and opposite the kitchen was the main lounge room. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're sitting in the uh, main lounge room all talking and that, but the way me and the mother-in-law were talking, we could see back down into the first, where I had the computer, into the first lounge room area. And as we were talking, there would have been a, probably about three foot high by three foot long, mist black mist and it darted from where like the my computer was out the front door and you know like i've sort of you know peripheral like looked over seeing that dart out <coughs> and um yeah i looked back at the mother-in-law and she's like did you see that too i'm like yeah 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 about three foot you know she's like yep yep so we both seen the same thing um yeah in the um the, that was like pretty much the only thing I seen there, but 
we had a um, walk-in closet in the master bedroom and it felt like there was a presence pretty much as soon as you entered the walk-in closet. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <coughs> and it just used to sit and watch as we are going to sleep. <laughs> Very awkward feeling. Yeah. Um, but nothing... Nothing like, you know, no bangs or um, anything like that. Had your, just, had your partner had any kind of experiences prior to her <laughs> taking up with you? Yes, but minimal. So, you know, when, when we first got together, I asked her, I'm like, you know, do you believe in spirits and rah, rah? And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, okay, good. Um and yeah, well, according to her, you know, it, what she had was nothing compared to what happened when we got together. Um, so yeah, we were in that house for a year, I believe, um, and couldn't wait to get out. That was, um, yeah, it was just. Mind you, yeah, so also in that house that, um, you know, like it was early in the relationship, but it started off real good, but, the, you know, the more that the, the, um, the dreaded feeling, you know, it started to affect her, although she was pregnant as well, so that could have been affecting her too, but she, um, yeah, she became really snappy and, you know, um, Not herself, so to speak. Did you ever notice any um, any kind of change in your personality throughout any of these things? Did you ever um, did you ever kind of get like a short fuse and and seem to act out uh, aggressively or meanly, uh, kind of out of character for yourself? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. It's like we, you know. Um, have a we would have a Barney and that, and I'd you know leave sort of a few expletives, and I'm not putting up with this shit and walk away. Yeah. Um, you know, I usually get to the end of the street and feel like you know, well, okay, that's over and done with. So once you got um, out of the house. Once you got out of the house and you started walking away from it, you got enough distance between you and and what was going on inside. You you came back to normal, basically. Yeah, sort of. Oh, the anger is gone there. You know. Yeah, sort of did, just washed off. Did she ever notice, like, when she would leave the house for, you know, to run errands or go grocery shopping or whatever? That did yeah. she ever notice that when she would leave, that that would seem to kind of lift from her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she had stated multiple times that she didn't want to go back to the house. She um she was doing childcare. Oh, excuse me. She was doing childcare. Um, and we lived 45, 50 minutes away from work where she was working. So if she had to do an open in the morning, which they were opening at six thirty, she was up at like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning to you know have a shower and get ready and leave. And. As soon as she was, you know, 10 minutes in the car and gone, she was back to her normal self, she said. But, yeah, 
even just knowing that, you know, it's getting close to being back at home, she felt herself change. Now, was that house, so, was that house, you said it was new, but was it new to you or was it a new build? A new build, brand it new was. build. We were the first people in there. Um, and it was on old farmland. So, you know, a lot of, like a lot of places these days, they're um, buying up all the old farmlands. Like, you know, it was semi-rural place. So... I'd like to go knock on the door and see if anything's still going on there now. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, so from there, from there, we um, we moved from there. We went up to Cairns. Nothing much happened there. Um, we're in Cairns for a short time, and then we moved back. Um. So we moved to um, a place in Logan Home, and this one was very active in the peripheral, um, and also the moving chairs. So we had the dining room table, and it was a glass top table, and it had the you know the like sort of fake wrought iron backing of the chairs. But every time we'd go to bed, you know, push the chairs in for the table, wake up, and one of them, at least one of them would be out. And the way that the lounge room was set up, you had the the couch, and the couch was facing windows, and so you could see the reflection from the dining room table in the windows, big floor-to-ceiling windows. And we're sitting there watching TV, and you could see movement, you know, in the peripheral around the table. And to me, it was, you know, two kids and they were playing around like over the table or under the chairs or, you know, they're chasing each other around the table and that. Bring around the rosy. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) I didn't hear that, thank God. Um, But at this stage... um, our daughter was a few months old, so, you know, we had the, the, the playpen set up. Well, not the playpen, just the corner of the room. Had all the kids' toys on it, and, you know, as they do, they would start playing by themselves, and they would move. And um, So one night there, I, you know, I'm like, oh, let's mess with the baby. Let's put it asleep before our bedtime, you know. They get in their routines. They know when bedtime is. And it was, I think it was going on winter or something. So, oh, no. No, it wouldn't have been winter. It would have been summer. Um, put it to bed at like 6 o'clock when it was starting to go dark and, you know, she didn't go to bed till like 7.30 or something. So I just went and put her in a cot and, and laid her down, walked over, and I bought this cheap little camcorder from pawn shop. And uh, it sounded like you said from the porn shop. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, but <laughs> well, uh, sorry. We call them a hot shop over here. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I bought a little camcorder and I'm like, you know, laid the daughter down and I'm like, let's see what she does. So I had the camcorder set up and I'm recording her and she sat up and she's, you know, looking around the, around the room 
she's probably four months old at this stage, five months old or something. And yeah, she's looking around, you know, not she wasn't crying, wasn't nothing. And me and the partner had spoke, you know, two words, and then there was nothing. We're just standing there in silence. And, you know, probably had her in there for about five minutes and I'm like, all right, yeah, turn the light on, go back in, grab her, bring her back outside, lay her down and play with some toys and that. And I'm like, oh, well, put the fucking, put the, uh, the, the memory card into the laptop and going through, listening to it. And unfortunately, I don't have the recording because the, the external hard drive shit itself. Um, but what it captured in there was try and seek us or hide and seek us. But there was a young voice that wasn't mine or the partner's. And it was, he's yeah, trying to seek us or try and seek us or hide and seek us or something. Um, but I put that to, you know, I'm there with the camcorder trying to look in. And obviously these spirits were in the room hiding. Well, that had um, to be unnerving. Yeah, that was that was that was like, you know, it, it, it just sort of all put it together though, you know, like seeing the peripheral mm-hmm. of kids playing around the, the, the table and that and and then hearing that and, and it was probably a couple of days later I had my mum over for dinner. And I was telling mum about it, you know, what was going on. And I showed her the, the, the footage, you know, with the voice that we had caught. Um, was it, a, was it clear? Was it like a class? No, a or did no, it- no, no. Cause I couldn't quite figure out what, like, that's why I say, you know, it was either try and seek us, hide and seek us, but it was to do along the lines of finding them. That's what, right. you know, um, but yeah, I was telling mum about it and I'm standing there, I'm in the front of like in the doorway of my daughter's room where it was. And it felt like someone come up right to my ear and gone. And it, that put the, the, the shivers down my spine. Like it was literally like, I, I don't know if I felt the wind, but I'd say it would have been one of those ones. Like, you know, their lips were right up against my ear and did the old Chinese whisper sort of stuff. And yeah, that, no, I wasn't having that. Well, you know, I mean, myself as a parent, um, had I caught something like that on a, on a camcorder, in my child's room, I I don't know that. I don't know that we would have stayed there much longer. You know, I mean, your your natural instinct as a parent is to protect your child, and that yeah. that would have that would have put me on high alert. I I I tend to go by feelings. Like you know, I can generally get a get a sense of whether it's good or bad. I um you know gut instinct will usually help me out. Like, okay, I, yeah, pretty quick to judge whether it's not very nice in the room or if it's whatever. Yeah. It's there. It's not, not harming no one. Um, but, yeah, so that was 
I, I, I ended up going and running a line of salt around the house. So, like, you know, I didn't know quite how to take that one when it was so so up in my face, sort of, so to speak, in my ear as you would. Um, yeah, ran along, ran a, uh, a um, line of salt around the house and, you know, told if you um, any negative entities can't be past this line, you know, got to leave. Yeah. Um, so I'd still see stuff out of the peripheral, so... Yeah, they obviously weren't too bad. Freaky, nonetheless. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, yeah, I was, yeah. Then I was about 27 when we moved back to Cairns. Um, and the mother-in-law's house. It, um, so the house we were in up there, that was all good. We didn't have nothing there, thankfully. Um, but the mother-in-law's house, I, um, so... I got two young sister-in-laws at this stage. They were like eight and 11 or something. Um, and they had a bedroom side by side. And I used to, like, I, I would envision a young girl, you know, old time style. She had the pigtails, the, the plaited pigtails and the white, you know, white long nightgown with the um, lacy frilly. Yeah around the cuffs and she like, you know, this, this young girl that I'd like, I never seen her, but it was just what come to my mind. Um, she's just in awe of the, you know, the two young sister-in-laws. Um, and she'd just be there watching, you know, obviously she was from an old time. So the technology and that I think was, you know, what was intriguing to this young girl. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of months later, um, the mother-in-law had said that the youngest one who was eight, she had thought she was coming up to her. So she, the mother-in-law was in the laundry about 10 foot away from where I envisioned this young girl standing about 10 foot away in the laundry doing laundry. And she's bent over to pick up a, a basket of washing and she said she seen this young hand with white lacy frills like come out towards the basket of washing. And, you know, she said she felt her come up and she just thought it was a young eight-year-old sister-in-law, like, you know, her daughter. And then as the hands come over, she noticed the frills, the lacy frills on the cuff. And so she sort of dropped the bag and sort of screamed and ran away. Um but yeah, yeah. I, again, I didn't get no bad feelings. It was sort of just is what it is. Yeah. Um, so at that time, my daughter was two, um, and there was a, a a graveyard up there in Cairns that got washed away from a flood. And there's one single graveyard left, and the partner she wanted to go and take photos. So we went down there and. My daughter, too, you know, was being carried back to the car when they were leaving and she's turned around and she's, who's that girl? Who's the girl in the grass? So, and the, the gravestone there for the, the one single gravestone was for a young girl. So, so your daughter was seeing things as well. Yeah, yeah, and still does. Really? How old is she now? Uh, she's 12 now, nearly 13. So it's not as frequent as, you know, as what I had when I was her age. 
um, thankfully. But my my thoughts to that was that you know um, I don't know whether like I'm pretty sure that she um, she's seen a young girl before I envisioned her in my mother-in-law's house. So I'm thinking that she followed because when they when they went to take photos, there was the two sister-in-laws, the mother-in-law, my partner, and my daughter. So when they went to take photos, my daughter had seen the young girl. I don't know. Maybe she followed back, you know, seen all these young girls and followed them back. Yeah. And decided to hang around for a bit. Um, but, yeah. So that one, that was never, a, that was mainly just a feeling and, a, you know, a vision in my head. i never actually seen anything there. Um but just uncanny, you know. I, I envision the young girl to have frills. Yeah. The mother-in-law seeing the frills, whether whether like because I, I think I'd told the mother-in-law what I you know envisioned her wearing. So whether the mother-in-law just put it into what she had seen or not, I don't know. But right. yeah, so we moved back to, to Brisbane. We actually. Um, so the the we left Cairns because there was no more family up there. Um, so we decided to come back to Brisbane um, and ended up staying back at with me mum in the family house. Okay. So my kids I, at that time I had a son as well. Now um, he was only a toddler, and they went and stayed in the same room that. I was dragged from. Um, my daughter's bed was actually in the same position, but thankfully nothing bad happened to them. Um, but the the house definitely created some excitement. Um, we'd put my son to bed and we'd be like, our bedroom was beside his so we put him to bed, you know, close the door, a couple of hours would go by and then we'd start hearing his voice. Like, oh, you know, yeah, okay. Jason's awake. Go open the door. He's still asleep. Like, uh, that was his voice though. Like, close the door, you know. Yeah, next day, pretty much the same thing. Like sometimes you'd hear toys drop. You'd hear toys fall off the bed. You'd hear movement and his voice to a T, like, you know, his little murmurs and he was only like a year and a half old or something. So, you know, it wasn't clear speech. Right. But it was him. Open the door and he's still passed out fast asleep. It's like, okay, that's not cool. Like, that's, you know. Um and then the um, partner started, you know, she'd be in the kitchen cooking and she would feel our daughter behind her. So she'd, you know, go to turn around, like, you know, she'd in the peripheral, she'd see a young girl pretty much exactly looking like my daughter turn around and my daughter's not there. And once she told me that, I'm like, yeah, right, okay. And... Not long after, I started getting the same thing, you know. You'd see a young girl in the peripheral behind you in the kitchen, turn around thinking that it was our daughter, 
turn around, nothing there. You know, my daughter's out the back or, you know, in the room or something. Um, but, yeah, like, to a T, it was almost doppelganger style, you know. Um, so it, that your, was, your impression of it was that it was taking the form of your daughter? Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. voice, like my son in yeah. the bedroom. Um, you know, my son wasn't talking in his sleep or anything. And, like, you know, because when, when my son was asleep, there would be toys being played with. You could hear the toys being played with, and as, you know, toddlers do, they're murmuring and talking to themselves. Then you'd hear toys banging that and open the door, and he's on the bed fast asleep. So, yeah, it was... That was that one. That wasn't too nice. That was very off-putting. Yeah. So, thankfully, nothing bad came of all that. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah. So then, in the same house, I um. So my nana, she had dementia. Um. She died when I was 13. Um, I can remember from like the age of eight, it was, I was referred to as boy, you know. <laughs> She'd be saying to me, mum, what's the boy doing? What's the boy into? Don't let the boy touch that, you know. And, oh, boy, what are you doing? Uh, nothing, Nana, you know, rah, rah. And that's, you know, I... Being young, um, mum would be like, oh, I'm going to Nana's, do you want to come? No, 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 I don't want to go to Nana's, that's boring, you know. Um, yeah, so time lost, I regret now, but, you know, we can't change that. Um, so here I am, I'm, you know, early 30s at this stage, probably 30, 31 or something, Um I just started a new job, you know, talking to a few people and somehow the, the the grandmother thing become a subject and told them, you know, told a few people within the week, you know, oh, yeah, my nigga, my nana called me boy. My nana called me boy. She didn't know my name. Rah, rah. And, um, yeah, I had a dream one night and my nana was in a car and she – had her hair pulled back. She was wearing a, a white, like, tank top. She was sitting in this creamy car. And I can remember from her house, the driveway had, like, you know, green hedges along the driveway, always, you know, fairly well kept. And she's sitting in a car in that driveway from her house. And she's called me by name, Robert. Come over, you know. Yes, Nana. Just want to say I love you. And then drove away. And, you know, I woke up and I'm like, wow, you know. And it took me a minute to realize that, you know, because I'd been saying to everyone that she'd called me boy, she, you know, I take it that she come to me in my dream to call me by my name to let me know she, that she knows who I am. She knows yeah. my name. And, you know, that she was sorry that she couldn't back when she was alive. Um, so yeah, that, you know, 
and I'm I'm there thinking, and as we were saying before, you know, reverted back to better times when people passed or animals passed. Yeah. Um, so my nana didn't actually get her license until she was in her sixties. Oh, really? Um, and the car that I'd seen in her dream was the car that she'd gotten her license in. Um, but she had only drove for about three years. I would have been a baby when she crashed the car and stopped driving. So I had no way of knowing that she drove an Austin, you know, like creamy, beigey, baby poo colour car. Um, And I told my mum the next day and instantly my mum just started bawling her eyes out. She's, you know, she's like, that's amazing. Like, she's like, that was the car that, you know, and the the white singlet was like, you know, Nana's go-to before she started losing her mind and other people started dressing up. That was, yeah. you know, her attire, like sort of cargo-like pants and a white, like, tank top sort of, yeah. Well, that was a nice little gift you right. got. Oh, that was that was awesome. That was, yeah. So that was definitely one you, of the better ones. Yeah, you need to be thankful for those. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, and then from there, we move just around the corner into our own house. And this is where it all starts. This is where it gets bad. This is, um, so, you know, living a life um, without a father or, you know, raising kids of my own, not knowing, you know, never had a dad. So I was only doing the best that I could. Um, always wondering, you know, what to do, and you know, then I was like, uh, you know, along the along the lines of my life, I'd tried to find out, you know, information, and people didn't want to tell me, you know, sort of a sore, touchy subject. Right, I just carry on with life, I guess. But then I got to the point where I'm like, no, you know, I've got to find out something. I've got to know what's going on. Um. Mm, Oh, excuse me. Um, so when the, when when the the subject of my father came up, you know, and not knowing him, it was a lot of. Um, I would always turn around and be like, oh, "For all I know, he could be dead. For all I know, he could be dead." And I'd said that for as long as I can remember. Um, so my father also had a daughter that wasn't to my mum that he had care of. Um, so there was another sister out there as well that I didn't know. So I found a group on Facebook, put up, you know, because along of him running away when he found out that mum was pregnant, he also changed his name. So it made things very difficult. So I put up, you know, who he was, where he lived, back when he was known. Um... <coughs> Excuse me. So I had this girl reach out to me, this lady, um, and she told me that I was spelling his name wrong um, and that she had some, you know, some bad news to, to tell me. And, you know, he, he was never anything to me, so I'm like, yeah, hey, radio. So she rang me up and she told me that, yeah, he he was dead. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. She also told me that he was an absolute piece of shit of a human being. 
um, and he did things to this girl. And when she was younger, um, he, yeah, he, she told her mum he got charged by the police um, upon being released on bail for some stupid reason. Anyway, he was released on bail. He loaded up his car and drove away and killed himself. I don't know how he killed himself. I don't really care. But as I said, you know, at the start, it turns out that he killed himself seven days before my 10th birthday, exactly seven days. And I had always said that my stuff started when I was like nine or 10 years old. Seven days before my 10th birthday, he kills himself. And here's my negative attachment. He is the reason why I always feel like there is something behind me. Um, Because he always denied to my mum that, you know, that I was, I was his. Um, My mum, you know, if I'm not that I'm a religious person and believe in demons or devils or angels or nothing, but you know, if there was ever an angel, it's, you know, my mum's it. She is everything and all in one. Um, So, you know, she tried to do her best and, you know, hide the fact that, you know, back in the eighties, you know, child out of wedlock and whatnot. And, you know, um, but yeah, she definitely wasn't one to be running around with multiple partners. Um, and he was adamant that not mine, not mine. So he ran away, killed himself. And then I was, um, he comes to play. So when I found all this out and everything started going to absolute shit, so my missus, um, you know, in the house that we were in, she could not walk under that house for more than a minute. The two-story house, the laundry was underneath the house, and she'd send me a video of her after going underneath that house and, like, her hands, like, she wouldn't have been able to hold a cup of water. She was shaking. She was, you know, excuse me for a second. Um, yeah, she didn't like being under the house. She didn't want nothing to do with it. Um, and it started affecting her in every motion. Like she was snapping. She was, you know, he had figured out when I say he, my, my father, the negative attachment had figured out that he couldn't affect me the way that he wanted to, so he's changed onto her. You know, she was a female. She was small. You know, she's five foot tall. She's all of fifty kilos, um, which is nothing. You know, so he's gone and attached himself to her, um, and she changed immensely to who she was. She was, you know snapping and angry and, you know, sad and depressed. And um, So one of the things too, like, you know, I always wanted to get some white sage and I could never find it, you know. I didn't want to order it online. I wanted to go in person and buy it. And 
so happened to be that, you know, I put up on a, a post on Facebook and my sister's like, there's a tobacconist around the corner from you that's got it right now. And I'm like, sweet, cool, you know. Speaking to the partner about going and getting it, you know, days beforehand, she was all for it. And as soon as I found out where I could go and get it from and I could go and get it right then and there, she lost her shit. I don't want that effing shit in my house, blah, blah, blah. Like, she snapped. Oh. Like, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, like, yesterday, you you know, you want it, you, you know. This is it, rah, rah. I, I didn't listen. I went and got it anyway. And um, I come back. And the look on her eye when I come back and I had this white sage in my hand, like if looks could kill, it was pure hatred. Like, and so I've lit the white sage up, you know, I went and watched some videos about how to do it and went and lit, lit the white sage up and, you know, went through the house and then I, you know, put the sage over me, you know, banishing all negative energy and that. And she was on the couch, like holding her head. Said she had the like the biggest migraine, the biggest headache, and it was you know pounding from the inside out. Um, and so got her outside, and I was saging her off, and I had the sage on her for about fifteen seconds before she's like, "No, stop, stop, stop!" Like you know, she was just about to spew. She. No energy, just, yeah, she sat down like, you know, we're both smokers. She sat down, had a smoke, head in her hands, like, just drained of all energy. Um, so upon this, I took it upon myself, knowing that, you know, she didn't like it underneath the house. So obviously that's where he was residing in. Um I went under the house and, you know, I basically did the, the, the thing that you're not meant to do when it comes to spirits and, you know, provoke them and torment them and call them out. Well, I went down there and I told him, I know who you are, Tony, you piece of shit, you can't do nothing. You're weak, you're this, you're that, you know, get out, leave us alone. Um, and I just so happened to have my phone recording too. But as I'm telling him, you know, you got to leave. You can't do nothing. You know, be gone. Leave me. Leave my family alone. I get this white flash on my phone. Um, now I, I can put a thing up in the Discord, um, but it's a recording of a recording because I've tried to slow it down to catch the start of the white flash, but I never can. Like it is that quick, and it runs charges at the phone. One white flash and it's gone. Um, but I also noticed too in the recording that it, the, the the camera had a hard time focusing. Like, you know, it was yeah. always in and out of focus. And um, But, yeah, I went down there. I confronted him. I told him I know who he is. I know what he's about. Um, you know, you, the game's up, you know, I basically – put a light on your shadow. We know that you're there, you're hiding in the dark, you can't do shit. Um, yeah. So and, have, you, have you ever given any consideration to the fact that, or the possibility that 
and in no way, shape, or form am I trying to say that maybe your dad wasn't that horrible of a person and he was, but from the standpoint of if he was oppressed, if he was, if he had an entity, a, a, a dark oppression that was attached to him and after his death, that attachment moved generationally to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, again, I'm not trying to say that, you know, what your dad did was a bad thing. You got somebody, you know, in a bad way and then he took off and that's a terrible thing to do. That is a piece of shit. I agree. But I think more times than not, when you, when you talk to somebody who has any insight into these things, that, that, that human spirit um, is usually being acted upon by something themselves, you know, and there, I think there is something to a generational type uh, oppression that, that can follow, you know, whether it's by a, by a curse or whether it's by um, just its natural mode of desire to uh, rip the happiness out of uh, some families life for whatever reason why why they were targeted i don't know but um i wonder if that might be a possibility as well that it may not necessarily have been your dad but the same force that was oppressing him well yeah very much could have been um but i've you know i've definitely noticed that since i've called him out um you know and told him that the jig's up you know we know what's going on we know who you are you can't do nothing you know um from from what i was told to um about him you know he was not one for confrontation unless you're a female um so you know by me being an adult male now and confronting him he sort of run away with his tail between his legs um but in um in doing that you know like we haven't had much of anything since then and that was quite a few years ago oh that's good so he's like in saying that though i can still feel that there is you know he's just further back in the shadows now because he knows that you know can't sit there and pull strings and do things because i know what's going on Um, um you know i've woken up how's your your wife she uh she responded well to um to that afterwards yeah Yeah. good so the next day she was you know the the house was a lot lighter um you know there was not so much negative feeling in the house um i could actually do give her a good um you know saging so yeah definitely come a lot better after all that good so um yeah that was that that was you know that was sort of the the lead up and the 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 culmination of finding out you know just what that bad feeling was that i basically carried my whole life yeah um so then i was at work was around the same time um one of my young work friends he had a friend who killed himself young kid you know in the despairs of depression um ended up taking the worst way out thinking that you know nothing was going to get better 
um, he killed himself and my mate come to me and he's like, oh, you know, you said that you've, you know, had experiences and rah, rah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, what's going on? So they they used to smoke weed um, and my mate would rock up to go see, you know, his mate's mum and see how she was doing and there was the constant smell of weed all around and he's like, oh, you know, do you think that's him? Do you think that's him? And I'm like, yeah, more than likely, you know. Little signs, you know, littlest signs just to let you know what's that he's around and he's there and rah, rah. My mate's like, yeah, you know, like he's a bit sceptical. And um, when I was talking to him, I had my phone on my lap, you know. Didn't have my hands on my phone. And, um, you know, I'm talking to him. I'm like, you know, it's just little signs, you know. And instead of like, no, nah, that's that's because of this or that's because of that, you know, like trying to debunk it, sort of, so to speak, you know, just think, you know, oh, well, that could have been, you know, open your mind up to it and you might get an answer. Right. I look down at my lap and my torch is on my phone. Oh, the so, light? You know, the light was lit? The light on my phone was on. My phone was locked. It was on my lap. My hands were nowhere near my, to- my, my phone. You know, there's quite a few steps. I've got a Samsung. There's quite a few steps to turn a torch on. So, yeah, I've looked down at my lap and I've pulled it up and I'm like, dude, me light's on. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, who are we talking about? <laughs> you know, telling you that there's signs. Here's a sign for you. He's like, no way, no way. I'm like, you know, just, yeah. Open your open your eyes, open your ears, have a, have a think. Yeah. And, that's, I mean, yeah. I preach that in almost episode, every episode. Keep an open mind, use critical thought. You know, sometimes a chair is just a chair. Sometimes it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, from there, then we were, like, we were living at a place called Springfield then. Um, and that was a very calm house, like, you know, every night. We'd go to bed. Um, we would hear a cup or a bowl or something, you know, be put onto the bench, um, sort of like it was cleaning up after itself. Don't know what it was, but there was, you know, if not every night, it was every second night there was a, a knock on the bench. We had a bowl actually fall off the bench once. Um, you know, all four of us were in the lounge room yeah. and – there was a bang in the thing, and the next minute there's a bowl on the floor. Um, and um, at that stage, I also had to go for knee surgery. Um, I'd torn my meniscus, so I had to go for knee surgery. Um, and thanks to my younger years, you know, and ADHD, addictive personality, and they give you terrible pain pills that I don't like after surgeries. And I went as long as I could without taking them, knowing what I'm like. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, you know, the inevitable happened, really. Okay, yeah. I, um, I, I, you know, was taking them for pain, and then I wasn't taking them for pain. And one night I, you know, I was still on crutches, you know, like I could have made the excuse that I was taking them for pain, but, you know, I'm more honest than that, like, you know. The pain wasn't that bad, but it was, you know, purely for selfish reasons of taking the pills. Um, and I took too much. I had three tablets one night and 
well, was still on crutches and almost fell over and, you know, destroyed all the work that had just been done on my knee. Luckily, I didn't. I um, hobbled myself back to bed and laid down on the bed and I, you know, was sort of in a wave and I can't tell you what it was, but I can tell you that Nana was there yet again. I can vividly remember my Nana in the same clothes, but it wasn't a pleasant experience. She was giving me the scolding of a lifetime. Uh I remember (laughs) what she said, but I woke up and I knew I'd done wrong. Yeah. And Nana was there to, to tell me so. Um, now, even though she'd been dead for, you know, 20 something years, it, um, it, it didn't feel very well knowing that I had, you know, made my Nana disappointed, even though she was dead. Um, and sort of, you know, hit home, like, what are you doing, dickhead? Yeah. You know, leave me alone. Was that enough to stop? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, though. Like I, I, you know, I, I knew I shouldn't have been, but they're there. Like you know, it was sort of the. I didn't want to bring them home because, you know, although I haven't been an addict, well, I haven't been in addiction for years. You know, I'm always an addict in my eyes. It's only one slip away to ruin a lifetime of good work. To you know, yeah. So yeah, no, definitely, definitely to you know, stay away. Throw them in the bin. Good for you. Get rid of it, and um, yeah, take the take the spiritual reaming from Nana. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, Nana in, sounds in, like she was a badass. Oh yeah, you know, Nana was a um, a riveter in the World War Two. She was riveting riveting the planes together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, both her and Pop World War Two. Pop was a gunner. Nana was a riveter, so you know she wasn't shy. She wasn't afraid of hard work. She was, you know. Mum tells me that you know that Pop was the softy, and Nana was the one who <laughs> used to keep him in line. So yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Like apart from that, you know, the um, your daughter said that the like we bought her this little um um little dresser makeup corner cabinet thing had mirrors three mirrors so you can get all the angles yeah um and that had to be covered nightly because there was apparently a uh, shadow standing in front of it oh, really? oh actually i almost forgot um yeah in, in saying that you know with the shadow person you know i um i told my daughter like you know i've always been honest with my kids like you know you're probably gonna see shit just because of what i've been through like you know it's there's, there's, you know, if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. But there's good chance that you probably. Um, and my daughter one night, you know, she was getting all like, oh, yeah, you know, like getting all cocky and, you know, a bit smart assery. She's like, oh, you know. And I took it as, you know, like I'm, when it comes to spirits, I feel you've got to be respectful, apart from my father. You've got to be respectful because they have a reach much further than you know or want to, right. want to know. So if you're not respectful, you're going to cop the brunt end of it. And I took it as her being a bit disrespectful one night, and I was actually talking to her about Steve, you know, the, the my friendly 
shadow person. Yeah. And she was starting to be a bit disrespectful and rah rah. And I'm like, no, you've got to knock this shit off now because you're playing a game with things you don't want to play games with. And she didn't. And within seconds, bam, I was furious. I was ropeable. And I'm, you know, slamming the table and like, nah, like just anger out of nowhere. Like, you know, I'm a dad. I'm, you know, knock your shit off. Like, you know, but this was totally different. And it was, it was intense. It was, you know, out of the, out of the blue, you know, no warnings. I told her, you know, no, no, no. And among talking about Steve, the, the, my friendly shadow person, next minute this anger and curiosity come and it scared the absolute shit out of her. It scared the shit out of the partner. It scared the shit out of my son. And like, you know, I was shocked and it lasted for about 30 seconds. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the hell was that? And then it hit me that, you know, me classing Steve as a friend, Steve has ultimately jumped into me and shown her that, you know, this isn't a game. This is what can happen. You're a little girl. Let's have some respect. And ever since then, she's had a bit more respect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. Wow. Yeah. Well, my friend, that is, uh, that takes us right to two an hour, two hours. Um, and that's, uh, that's quite a laundry list of things that you've had going on in your life. Um, kudos to you for, uh, for maintaining a, uh, a progressive and, and a healthy outlook on, on all of it, because I think at some point, you know, a lot of people, they start to question, um, where their heads at when they're having things like this happen. And yeah. And I'm glad that things have seemed to, to taper down. I, you know, I, I like to think that your, your friend Steve is, uh, um, there for some good. Um, but again, even though I even though I preach everything that's dark doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, the the old the old Catholic teachings of my youth um, they come creeping in, and it, it still is kind of a hard one to say if it's if it's a dark mass, it's probably not good. Um, I do I do argue that, and uh, I try I try not to let that creep in, but it does at times. So. I hope. Yeah, that's it. But you know, uh, I um, I now am on my neck here. I wear tourmaline and obsidian, which um, you know, helps keep the the negatives at bay. Yep, I've got some um, sitting right in front of me here. Yeah, it's oh, we've got it all around. It is, it is everywhere. It is a necessity. <laughs> uh, so, one, of, one of my uh, one of my listeners was nice enough to. Uh, send this little vial that has uh, some specific oils and there's a, um, a small 
chunks of obsidian in that as well. Um, do they work? I, you know what? I'm not going to say they don't. Well, I, I would attest that they do. There's been some times where, you know, I've been laying there in bed and not so much like, oh, I've never had, um, the, what is it, the bloody sleep paralysis. paralysis yeah. I've never had that. Like, I've always been a, a side or a stomach sleeper. Um, so from what I've read, you know, you, back sleepers tend to get yeah. sleep paralysis. Yeah. And then the link to, you know, the... Um, for the not breathing, I sleep what that's yeah. Yep. Yeah, that one, you know, there seems to be a bit of a coincidence between them two. Not saying that it is or it isn't, but well, it, it does seem to come um, up in, in uh, uh, a lot of the a lot of the articles about sleep apnea. Um, you know, here, here's the thing if if your breathing is being interrupted during your sleep, that means that there is a period of time between your breaths that your brain is not getting the amount of oxygen that it should okay. be during normal breathing. And your brain is already in a, in a different mode because you're asleep. And if you are starving of, of oxygen because of the, the breathing issue that you have, it only makes sense that, you know, at some point, all of that is going to have a reaction. And, you know, I'm overweight. I don't sleep on my back, but I have woke on my back twice now where I was not able to move. One, I was waking up from a nightmare. Um, I was trying to scream, but I couldn't get anything out. It was just, you know, my mouth wouldn't even open. And my left arm was out to my, out to my side. And I, I was in a waking mode I, I could i could see what was going on i looked over at my hand i could recognize that i could not move my arm and you know that was pretty much the extent of it um it was a terrifying thing i, I didn't like it at all you know i'm, I'm <laughs> i don't like being held down uh, i'm a pretty good sized guy so that doesn't happen very often <laughs> um but uh yeah I, I did not like that at all um and it's it's unfortunate that people have to uh to deal with that that phenomenon but i i think you know the i think the truth of it is that that is something that is a physiological reaction to um you know that switch not being switched right in your brain while you're sleeping or trying to wake in conjunction with um sleep apnea so yeah but yeah as i was saying you know i um there's been times there where i've been you know laying on my stomach sort of with my back facing towards the door and like you know the rest of the bedroom and i can feel negative you know like don't roll over don't look at it there is something that you know it's just lay there, but then I'll grab my big chunk of obsidian, you know, and hold my obsidian and fall asleep. And, you know, as soon as I grab the obsidian, you know, it's tends to, you know, keep the, uh, the, the such negative feelings away. So, I mean, those things have been used for in, in civilizations throughout history for, for thousands of years. 
you know, those the crystals, healing crystals, uh, specific types of, of rocks. Um, you know, there's got to be something to it. It's not all, uh, it's not all mumbo jumbo, and uh, there's got to be something to it. So, well, even if it's a placebo and it works, you know, it, if yeah. it's a placebo that makes you think it's doing something, and it, you know, it gives you that feeling, is it doing something? Like, <laughs> that's it, a very good point. So. Yeah, I'll continue to use it and I'll continue to, like, actually, my friend who I was talking to about, you know, whose friend who died, he um he moved into a new house and there had apparently been a suicide within the family that was staying there beforehand. Um, so his parents owned the house and people who were there renting it, apparently there was a suicide from their son who was in the army. Um, and then when... The, the parents of the you know deceased son moved out and my mate and his parents moved back in. He said, you know, going up to the toilet one night and the toilet roll just started flinging off toilet roll at 100 mile an hour. Um, you know, doors slamming and that. And he's like, oh, you know, what do I do? What do I do? So I made him a necklace with, you know, some obsidian and some other stuff on there. Right. And he said, you know... <coughs> He took it home. I told him, you know, because I had made it. So I'm, I'm a firm believer, you know, you've got to have the right mindset when you're making it too. Like, you know, you're putting your intentions and exactly. yes. feelings into it. You know, I said, look, I've made it. You know, I've tried to put my best intentions and, you know, but take it home. I gave him a, um, a selenite stick to cleanse the crystals. I told him, take it. Here, here's a selenite stick and a necklace. Take it home. Put it like, you know, put the selenite on it. Let it recharge. Then you grab it and you put your intentions into it and, you know, and then wear it. And he said he felt amazing. Like, it's also kept the the things at bay, so. That's awesome. Yeah. That is yeah. awesome. Well, my friend, we're two hours and ten minutes into it. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I really am uh, I'm thrilled that you reached out to me. Um, I'm I'm beside myself that you're uh, part of the discord community and uh, I appreciate taking the time to do this I know uh, it's it, actually it's a perfect time you know I used to there for a while I was thinking that this was going to be a um, trying to coordinate time wise was going to you know put one or the other of us at a very inconvenient time but um, you know mid late evening for me and mid late morning for you so uh Works out perfect. Worked out really well. So. No worries. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity and the platform to do so. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, I'm sure the listeners are going to love hearing from you. I look forward to seeing you in Discord again. Um, I will. I will let you know when this is going to air, so that you can uh, let all your friends and family know that you're going to be on. Um, and not listen to it myself because of my voice. <laughs> You know, that's funny because, um, you know, I, I've had people throughout my life tell me, man, your voice, you, you really should be on the radio. You really should be on the radio. And I, I was like, I never, I never bought it, you know, and, and even, even deciding to do a podcast, I still, I, I did it even though I don't like my voice, you know, and when I hear myself play back. You know, I have to I have to listen to myself in my headphones while I'm talking to you. I have to listen to myself when I go through the editing process to, 
you know, get out the dead air or the bangs or the coughs or whatever. And then I always listen to the episode once it airs, because then I listen to it and try to put myself in the perspective of being a listener and see what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? You know, just to try to try to keep myself on the right track. And till this day, you know, I've had so many people comment on my voice and till this day, I just, I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand what you people see in the voice, but, um, apparently they're right and I'm wrong. So (laughs) that self image thing though, isn't it? When it comes to you and yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my friend, take care of yourself and, uh, by all means, hopefully nothing nothing else gets stirred up now that you've decided to uh, <laughs> talk about everything. Um, I have had some people tell me that once they decided to go on a, on a show and talk about it, it does kind of stir things up a little bit for a while. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen for you. Um, no, I said that to the partner the other day. I'm like, I wonder if it's going to activate. No. And maybe, maybe nothing, maybe nothing. Uh, you know, I mean, the one main big issue that I think you took care of, uh, is probably still, still hiding in the corner there being the, the little man that he is. So, um, exactly. All right, my friend. My wife, thank you, sir. Thank you. Do me a favor. Um, when I end the recording, Leave your browser open because there's going to basically what's happening is your video and your audio is uploading to the cloud from your computer. So there'll be a a countdown. Uh, It'll tell you when everything is complete. So just leave your browser up so that everything can upload. And then when it does, I'll be able to download it here. All All right, sir. Thank you. Cheers, Mike. Cheers. We'll talk to you. On the right-hand side somewhere on your screen should say, um, like, finalizing ep- uh, upload. Um, it'll have my name, your name, and it'll say complete, or it'll show a progress bar. Uh, actually mine shows both yours and mine are already complete. So upload complete or recordings have been successfully uploaded. Yes, sir. Perfect. Very good. Rob, thanks so much, man. Uh, And honestly, uh, it's a pleasure having you in my community. Um, I really appreciate you listening to the show. It's, it's amazing to me that the, the show gets to all the places that it does, you know, that's, just a it's such a cool thing you know to well, all, all the credit goes to you mate you know you give the people the the, the platform without the, the the ego and the um you know like the you welcoming you you listen you know you offer insight without coming across as a dick like you know some other podcasts yeah so you know like i've I've listened to many podcasts. Like I'm a welder, so I get to listen to podcasts for eight hours a day. Um, you know, and there's many of like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, I want to tell my story. Like, you know, there's, you know, there's a bit to it, but it's like, oh no, then I've got to go and do this. And, you know, then 
just yeah. But when it comes to you, like so, the thing with you, I was listening to you for a bit, and then there was you know there was a period where you did quite a few um, Bigfoot, and I'm like, okay, well I'm over the Bigfoot for now. I'm going to yeah. go and listen to something else. But upon going to listen to something else. You're like, you know, I had you followed on, um, on Spotify and it was probably a couple of months, probably two months or so. And then I'm like, Oh, what was that? What was that podcast? I went into my, you know, to who I was following and you were gone. Oh, really? Where's it gone? Like, you know, so then I was, you know, trying, I, I, for the life of me could not remember uncomfortable. I'm like, you know, was it unexplained? Was it unacknowledged? Is it this, that, and everything else? <laughs> and I had shared to the missus the um, the episode of the Dinner with the Witch. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, but it didn't come to me straight away until I eventually remembered. And then I went into the, the you know, the Facebook messages and seeing the links, and I'm like, uncomfortable, fucking <laughs> go back and watch, you know. Yeah, it's I strange, you know, I, I had uh, I had a flurry of Bigfoot stuff. You know, Bigfoot for me is a is a, is a favorite. Um, I, I, I really, Bigfoot is one of those things that I hold near and dear to my heart, um, the subject. Um, but I don't, I don't press just for Bigfoot stories, you know, and it's, and it's strange because I went through a period where a lot of the shows were about Bigfoot and, and, and then, then it, it was all of a sudden it took normal. a turn and, yeah. and now it's gone to more, you know, like ghost stuff and spirituality, spiritual awakenings, um, stuff like that. So, you know, I just, I go with what comes to me and, uh, hopefully there's something out there for everybody and go with the fly, take it as it comes. Yep. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, man. I tell you going from my first episode that got, uh, I think 30 lessons and over the course of the first four weeks, you know, (laughs) it, it wasn't, it wasn't much. Um, and the God's honest truth is, um, I, I did not foresee this getting past episode 10, 10 or 12, maybe, you know, before I was just like, okay, nobody's listening. And, you know, I gave it a hell of a shot, but it's just not working. Um, but I've had steady growth every month for two years. So, you know, that's only going to keep going. I can attest to that. Like the way you go about your podcast and the way you do it, like, you know, it's, it's easy to listen to. Like, you know, I've got a bloody earbud in my ear for, you know, roughly 10 hours of the day, yeah. every day. And there are some podcasts where, you know, you can't listen to 15 minutes worth and it's like, no, nah, get me something else. This yeah. is, but no, they're like, you know, I like the way you do it. I like the way you treat your, your guests and, you know, yeah, everything you do. It's, I appreciate that. I really do. It's just been a pleasure, man, you know, to, to have started this that late in life. You know, I, I started when I was, what, 55. Um, man, if I knew now <laughs> back then, um, I, I, I could only imagine where we'd be by now. But uh, hopefully we'll get there. Uh, I think Things only come to you when you're ready for it. Yeah, that, that is a true statement. 
So you're right. It's happened at the right time, and it's a good thing. And I'm sure you'll continue to grow leaps and bounds, no doubt. I appreciate that. Keep listening, man. I got more good stuff coming. So for sure, I thank you for your time. Give that hand, give that family a hug, and keep them safe, man. Always. All right, my friend. We'll talk. Always. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's it for tonight's show. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Rob tonight. My thoughts go out to him and his family. I hope that his decision to discuss these things doesn't stir things up for him and his wife again. Please head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770 and see if there are any membership levels that appeal to you. Don't forget to pick up the Uncomfortable Discord server in the show notes below. Again, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at UncomfortablePodcast65. If you've had a story or experience that you would like to have aired on this show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to share the show any way you can. That's what grows a podcast like this. Share it with your friends, family, coworkers. That's the main thing you can do to help continue to grow this show and get it out in front of more people that will love what we're doing. Thanks for joining me. I will see you next week. And as always, stay uncomfortable, my friends. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.